You're welcome on in. This is Enswell Boxing. I'm Al, and this is... Modus Operandi. Welcome on in to a series which has been surprising in more ways than one. Your support, your feedback, your reactions. Definitely, definitely were what I hoped for. Perhaps allowed myself maybe believe there'd be a decent response. To be honest, all I can say right now, without overstating, is, is just thanks. Thank you to you, the listeners, and to these fantastic warriors who have given me their time and answered brutally honest at times. Not one fighter has refused a question or held back anything. And I truly hope, I genuinely, genuinely hope that these little insights, that they not only give boxing fans, but sports fans in general, a real glimpse at how special, how ordinary (laughs) and extraordinary, but how real these fighters really, really are. Violent Gentleman. It's a new brand of training and leisure wear, but it's boxing oriented, it's boxing roots. Boxing only, shall we say. It's Belfast based and it's a brainchild of a fellow by the name of Ross Brown. And uh, his ideas, his thoughts, his hours and hours and not to, not to mention his finance have, have all gone into a brand that he believes will mirror and represent the boxing phenomenon in his hometown of Belfast. He'll start with the uh, training range which will be released in the coming days. He has many of the top, he has four or five of the top fighters in Belfast. Uh, James Tennyson, Tommy McCarthy... Lewis Crocker, Poddy, there's a few, quite a few more representing and you're going to see a lot and hear a lot about it over the coming days but and I just wanted to say for now it's an absolute honour that uh, Enswell Boxing will be working with and associated closely with Violent Gentlemen over the coming episodes and weeks, months and years. Um, it's a brand which I believe and I genuinely do believe fits hand in glove to, to steal upon with the current boxing scene and not only in Belfast, but I believe farther afield as well. Uh, he's in tune with the history of the city and of, of, of the tradition and the pedigree. And he's very, very intent on not only representing, but honouring fighters of previous eras. When I saw this brand, and when I saw the way he's packaged it, designed it, and put it together, and the, the campaign, the videos, the photos, everything about it, it just jumped out at me. And I thought, brilliant. Really, really liked it. And from the first time I've spoke to Ross till the very most, the very last and the most recent today, I've been convinced and I am convinced that this will be yet another brilliant Belfast boxing success. I'll put the notes to the page and everything else in the episode notes today. I'll put a link to it. And um, have a look at it. Support it. Get behind it. Get in touch with him if you've got suggestions, if you've got ideas. Ross is very, very much like myself. He's open-minded. He's open to suggestions. Get along and support it. Watch out for some giveaways, competitions, and uh, flattery gets you everywhere, so... Watch out for the name Violent Gentleman, Belfast Boxing Brand. My guest for this one is no different. He may have hung up the gloves, but he did so after a career that entertained us on too many nights. And I say too many, I mean too many for his own good at times. And many of those nights I personally spent wincing, looking through my fingers, simply shaking my head and just wondering how much more. He put his body on the line, he put his health on the line and he spilled his blood, not only in the pursuit of his dream, but at times in some fights, to purely, to represent and entertain the people that he loved and that loved him. It's Jamie Conlon, of course, that I'm talking about. He's one of the youngest, dynamic, vibrant, engaging and uh, no little combative and, and combative young managers in the sport. I ask him a question at one point you'll hear in this. Is there another scenario in world boxing where a manager has grown up with, fought with, played with, boxed with, trained with, lived with sometimes, maybe fought against, and is now managing and helping them deliver their dreams? Anywhere else in the world, I don't think there is. I put that question and quite a few more to Jamie on Saturday in a fascinating, maybe hour-long conversation. We covered many, many areas survived uh, his dad's cooking dilemma in the background but we got into it by chatting about the upcoming golden contract finals I'm delighted it's here because it's been a long time coming and it was something we didn't think we may have 
got done during COVID um, because of the, the magnitude of the event compared to other events. Before Fight Camp and all the hype with that, this was the thing that got the juices flowing. It was the, the draw made for it and the concept. It's what started mm. all the excitement, of course, and then, as you said, we had the lockdown. It's, it's something that's been building since uh, last year. It's been, a, it's been a long time to kind of get everything over the line. You know, we're, we're dealing with... With two broadcasters on each show, and it's 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 hard to hard to please both broadcasters regarding dates and venues and times and stuff like that. Never mind the the uh, the eight competitors over three weight divisions. So, you know, it's it's been a long time, a long build, and we've we've adapted along the way in terms of having to change venue the odd time with um, the cruiser weights, and then having to or lay heavyweights, then having to go to Latvia for a semi final and stuff like that, but. For me, for me, the the main the main um, the main excitement has been in the in the featherweight and the late welterweight divisions, and them two coming to the end yeah. you know, on uh, Wednesday is going to be it's going to be special, especially with the featherweights. It's there. It's it's good, honest. It's a good, honest trade fight. It's something that has been under the radar. It's a it's a it's a boxing purist kind of fight. It's something that has been building. It's it's two fighters that have been building their names. Under the radar majority, and yeah. then the times that they've come up to the to the to the radar in terms of Jazza fighting for fighting Rigo and Ramwald fighting Lee Selby, you know they fell short. So this is their chance for redemption. They're all they're all seeking something here. Everyone has a point to prove, and I think this tournament is is perfect for them. They're two great lads as well. Two calls I was a bit uh, nervous about. One was Ryan because he comes across he's portrayed some ways, and that was a, a myth. The crack I had with the three of them on the phone, the two lads, the two brothers as well, and. <laughs> Of course, Graham was there, and I was able to chat with Graham Everett about upsetting Rogi all those years ago. And and um, there's a little bit of a story behind all of them, isn't there? And that's what makes it a bit more special. They're fascinating. Um, the Watch Brothers are fascinating. They're, they're they're yeah, as you said, edgy, but they 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 beat to their own drum. They march mm. to their own beat of the drum. They 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 do things their way, and if if it's not the um, the the normal way, they don't care. They they continue on with it and. This is what's good, kind of about the Ryan Walsh story coming coming to the end here, um, through this competition. Uh, he he came in as the British champion, you know. He came in as the as the hot favorite. He came in as everyone's name on the list. He's he was probably the most well known, um, himself and maybe Lee Wood because Lee Wood had fought on Sky a few times. But he has been the most rounded, the most experienced. He's he's seen he's been around the block, he's seen there and done it. But he's also had a big big chip on his shoulder because. He maybe should have had a shot a long time ago. He maybe should have had a bigger shot a long time ago. And they're coming in. He's kind of proving people wrong in a different regard because people are, are um, overestimating. Maybe that matter than over underestimating. But he, he's. I thought he's looked fantastic. The fight with the Cuban in the in the quarterfinals was 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 quality. I thought it was as high quality a fight as you'd see yeah. in, a, in a British ring with. Um, with Sakaris, uh, so it was it was very good, and Harry's progressed. I think he adapted his style very well against Tyrone. I thought he Tyrone gave him give him trouble. Um, you know that that unorthodox style of Tyrone to the to the orthodox style, and, and the, 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 you know it, it did cause a lot of uh, yeah. problems for Ram, which he then you know, adapted to on the fly and and, and solved in the end. So it, I think his progression through it has been been fantastic, and I think like. You know, He's been he's been hard done, but overlooked more than anything, and on a lot of regards in, in terms of world boxing and British boxing, and how they how they've uh, I don't know they they just take him for granted. The the way he went against Selby, I think he he upset the script that night. He didn't follow the script, and he gave Selby a little bit more trouble than that people expected. And as a result yeah. of that, maybe he might just be one of those who needs this fella, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly <laughs> right. I think you're bang on. I think I think you're right. I've thought long and hard about how when when I chatted to you. Your transition from boxer to former boxer to management to representative, it's incredible. The, the way you've been able to do it, that you've done it's almost seamless. I, I, mean, I know, I'm fairly sure there's a lot of work has gone into it. There's a lot of thought and a lot of hours. Is it something now that you're used to? Has that first switch been firmly made? Or are the hands always going to be itchy? No, the hands, the hands were never itchy. Kind of, I remember in the change room after, after uh, losing the German in cast that, that when with my uh, my fiance was was pregnant with our, our first child, we think we were maybe two months ago, less than that. And I just said, I, I can't put anyone else 
through these nights anymore. There was a lot of nights where it was was rough and tumble, and mm. you know, the, the, whoa, the, 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 the toast um, is burning. The toast is burning. My dad, he's kicking bacon. Um, very tough for everyone. The eyes were swollen, hands were black and blue. Yeah. Rough nights, so I, I knew that that I couldn't keep going on like that forever. Punishment taken was 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 tough on the on the body, so. You know, I, I wanted to have a a, a long and ha- healthy life after boxing, and yeah. that night against the Cavs was was tough. And it was a bitter pill to swallow because it was my dream to become world champion, and it, and it came up short. But um, yeah, I, I knew that, I knew there and then in the change room that the close people around me knew that that, that was candidate, and I, I don't think I ever really looked back. I, I, I train I train as much now as I did when I was fighting, but just not to the same intensity when, when I was fighting. Um, you couldn't talk to me in camp. I, I, it was it was just the whole single set mindset, or just everything on on the focus at the end. The, the end goal of being winning the fight and and just getting home to everyone because it was work. It was just it was complete work. Whereas now I, I'm a bit more lax in training and um and I, I don't take it as serious and and I enjoy it a lot more maybe. You you put every ounce of everything and anything that you had into it, and when that just came up a little bit short, look, boxing by its nature is brutal, and and that's what mm-hmm. makes it beautiful. But at the same time, but there's certain fights, and and that last the the end into Bellew's career when when you knew what was coming, you knew the gun was loaded, and you knew what Usyk yeah. was closing in to do, and I still have never been able to watch that back. Yours is the same. Before I spoke to you, prep for this, I put on that Anchalis fight, and I still couldn't watch the end of it. I just couldn't. You knew there and then in the change room, in amidst all the heartbreak and everything else, that you, there was going to be a change. Was that change always likely to be what it has become, or was it just a case of let's see what comes up? I, I, I didn't really envision myself being in this role. No, it, it's kind of um, it came up. It, it just came up. I I was unsure. I'm, I'm a qualified aircraft engineer. Um, I'm a qualified tailor. So I was thinking maybe if this night could probably go back to work. I, I do stuff like this. I'm not not. I, I, my next step was was really unclear. It was into, uh, unclear. It was into the unknown and. Um, I just knew that I don't think I can do this anymore because, yeah. as you said, I, 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 every fight, I was always comfortable and happy with knowing the fact that, yes, he can knock me Notice out, but I know I can knock him out. And I'm prepared to go through whatever you can do just to knock you out. That's probably the wrong way of thinking about things. And we, we would strategize in camp and we would go over game plans in camp. But in the end of the day, when, when, when the going got tough, I, I knew that that's where it was kind of going to go. Um so the, the 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 career would have been would have been a lot shorter than than I would have liked because of it. Um, so the next step was unknown. It was a bit scary. Uh, I I didn't realize that I was doing a lot of this kind of um, management side of side of the job while I was training uh, with Thor McKenna and stuff like this. We would have been in camp and I would have been picking picking fights for him and then agreeing the fights for him and, and agreeing for different things and. And stuff like this, and we would have discussed different fates and said, "No, that's not a right fate," and stuff like this. And speaking up on his behalf, uh, I would have done a few times also. So I, I didn't realize that that kind of I was doing this role f- for a while, and it was just, you know, Macklin. Then it, hard happened was was pretty. It, it kind of I didn't didn't realize I was in in a job till <laughs> till I was in it. Um, yeah. The way the way the transition had happened, that you know, I, I sat down with Sandra in the change room, and she kind of said, "Listen, there there is a plan in place." You know, at the times Macklin was involved, and we we they spoke about something, and Macklin was was obviously a, with Michael. He was Michael's manager. He was he was a lot for Michael. He would have been, you know, they would have been very personally close because they both had relocated to the states at that moment in time, and um, at the last year of of, of my career and. Was was the first year of Michael's career, so I was going to every fight. I, I I went to New York, for, you know, for the day, but only as a brother. Would have went to New York, then Chicago, and then Arizona. But I would have been away for, you know, maybe two weeks at a time with him and spending all time, then whole fight week and being just constantly one on one me and him. And I think it got to around maybe the fourth or fifth fight, and Macklin then had said to me that he'd got a job with Sky and he was going to relocate back to the UK and. This kind of was it was taking its toll on him, and you know, just uh, he thought that I should take this role over. I I should mm-hmm. start looking after Michael, and um, 
kind of said, just watch, watch me, kind of give me the Miyagi treatment and yeah. watch what I do, um, watch who I speak to, understand why I'm speaking to him, look at this guy, why I'm speaking to him. So kind of just watched and, and and we went around and we watched and, and I understood and who in top rank to contact and certain things and, and, and what way to speak to this guy and how to speak to this guy. And it was just kind of understanding personalities and, and how to navigate around the, the big bad world of boxing from the from the other side instead of punching people in the face. A trend that's growing, Jamie, through these little episodes that I'm doing is sometimes they come organically, sometimes you kind of try and tread them, but one that's coming really, really vivid in this is family. Jazza, of course, I mean, Jazza is everything that's good about boxing. Everything that's good. I mean, he just, he's, the Walsh brothers, incredible. Like, I mean, Tyrone chatted to him. He's, people people could very easily mistake Tyrone for something he's not when you see him the other night on Ali's show he's a, he's a spe- he's got so many different dynamics and facets to him and OD last night another call that I was a little bit wary of making couldn't have been anymore I got a love heart sent from him <laughs> text message afterwards <laughs> so I mean these are fellas that you, people shouldn't always believe what they see in here they need to see for themselves and to meet these fellas yeah. to, I guess what I'm trying to say is yours and Michael's is probably the best known relationship the Boxing Brothers of Ireland, your career in the amateurs, your career now in the pro, you're now overseeing his career. Is it difficult to balance that uh, relationship, the manager stroke big brother? Yeah, I think you have to balance it. It's, it's, for, firstly, as, as a big brother, you know, you're, you, you're always looking for your younger brother and that's kind of been, you know, first and foremost out of everything and anything. I, I think there's, from my point of view, there's probably more pressure because... In the end of the day, he's he's my brother. He's I'm the godfather to his kids. He's the godfather to my kids. We have Christmas together. We have Sunday dinners together. And my dad's, you know, our kids are playing together in in, in my in my dad's back garden. So, I have to sit and be be honest with him and be able to look him in the eye and look his kids in the eye and 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 tell be honest in myself and and know that I've done everything I can do to make his career. Um, successful as successful as I can be from the outside, from the outside, and look after his career and look after him as much as I can. Um, so, so th- we have to be honest in everything that we do. So, it, it does it, the the lines don't be blurred. It just be natural. It's family. Yeah, um, and, and, and there's the everything love, and there's, is personal. Everything and, is personal. And there's the trust and the bond at the back of it all to know that no matter how heated or how deep deep it goes. That you're it's able for, to hold, for the it's best, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, that makes best. that makes it's complete it. sense, that, and that's it. It makes it even more special, really, doesn't it? It does. It does. The highs are higher, the lows are lower. Um, you know, we live it. We live it and breathe it with each other. You know, our father was our coach. Um, we we were both in the same gym. We both trained together. Both sparred together. It, it came to the point where we couldn't spar no more because it was getting too heated. <laughs> Stuff, stuff like that, kind of you, you came through. So, him winning, I always still, I still said my career highlight was was not a win for myself. It was um, when when he won the bronze medal in, in the London Olympics, and, and me and my, me and my brothers and, um, and my mother and my father were were in the crowd and we were jumping and yeah. going crazy. That was still my career highlight. Um, coming back and beating Nordi Nubali, who, who's who's with MDK, crazy how everything it works out is with MDK. And, and as the WBC world champion at Bantamweight, so that, that kind of first and foremost is, is his success. Always has been for me because you know, before anyone knew who Michael Conlon was, I think there was only two people in this world that believed in him, and and, and that was me and my dad. Mike seems to be around forever. I mean, he seems to be one of those fellas who came through on the scene. It, it only seems like yesterday, and when you really mm-hmm. sit down and you look at it. You think, Jesus, is it that long ago? He gets more than his share of media and, and attention. Listen, he deserves most of it because it's all a lot of it is good. But does it seem in some ways that no matter what he... F- I have to mind me P's and Q's, but no matter what he does, it doesn't seem to be enough for some people. Ah, yeah, but, but, but this... Are you guys used to that? Or is there still times where it gets, Jesus, what do I have to do? Is- I, I think it takes a lot of mental resolve to, to, to deal with it. I think you touched on a very good point. Um the, the media attention and then with that the media scrutiny there there comes hand in hand and you know the, the difference between Michael and, and myself or Carl Frampton or whatever Michael had to learn on the job in front of everyone's eyes the, the, the public's eyes and they expected world championship straight away whereas the likes of me Carl Frampton most other world champions fought their four rounders in their debut you know at six o'clock in the evening got to learn when no one really was paying attention, so you were able to make the the, the adjustments, the mistakes, 
the improvements, the lessons were kind of, you know, the scrutiny wasn't as, as tough. You were, you were, it was a lot less, whereas Michael's been in the public eye. Yes, it does have a lot of um, positives with it, but people don't see the negatives it brings and the pressure it brings on a daily basis. You know, the, the, as you said, it's never enough for certain people. And I think he's learned and he's matured and he, he's, he's very mentally strong, mentally driven. But he knows that no matter what he is going to do, it's never going to be enough. And he, he is going to have naysayers and, and people who's going to try and nitpick and, and want a wee bit more and expect more because he does carry the weight of a nation. Um, he, he does carry a lot of hopes and dreams of, of a country. He is kind of he is leading the way in in in, um, in the next generation of fighters coming through, uh, looking to become world champion. So so he does have a lot of uh, expectations on him. A lot of expectations probably are, are 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 never going to be met by certain people because they just they just demand too much. But I do believe he is. I do believe he is the best boxer in the country here. Um, right now, this minute, even without a world title, he he does things that that. Most people cannot do in their dreams. Um, and I think we're, we're only starting to see yeah. 60, 70, 80% of what he can do. Uh, what what we have seen in the gym, and now what Adam Booth has seen in the gym, it has, has dawned on everyone. And, and we know that the best is yet to come. I think for the anyone that well, that's not that, that that wants to have a little doubt or a little question mark, listen to an interview that Bunsey did with Adam Booth a few months ago. And you start to, you start to really see, if you didn't already, the amount it takes to, to transform a world, the best amateur in the world into a best pro in the world. And people think, that, people think it's just a matter of stepping out one ring into another. I think you're right. I think, I think the best way to explain it, the, the most quickest way to explain it for me is it's snooker and pool. Yeah. You know, both of them is you, you have a cue in your hand and you put balls in the pockets. But why is the best snooker player not the best pool player? It's, it's, it's a different game completely. I like that one. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's just it's 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 that's kind of what it is. It's it's the the metaphor is the same. Put the balls in the pockets, but there there are there is different ways and tactics and techniques to kind of get things done. I think then the the value and the importance of the circle and the bond between yourself and not just Michael, look, that's that's special, that's unique in its own. But then that extends a little bit out to the rest of the stable of your lads because when all the heat is on and when maybe shit goes sideways a little bit, stuff hasn't gone according to plan and the 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 vultures are circling that's when these fellas need the trusted reliable circle around them isn't it the likes of yourself and the likes of other people who have been with them from the jump yeah I agree and I think I think from for most fighters you know successful fighters you usually see a common trait and the common trait is a, is a strong family bond because yes you are alone in the ring you are alone taking the punishment you are alone training but there there is a lot of of hours minutes and time gone into family networking between each other speaking on on problems speaking out of actions that's going on and you know we, we as boxers try to be macho and do everything alone but the, the most successful the, the common trait is that they have a strong family base and then from that have a strong team that they can rely on that they can relate to that they can have a shoulder to lean on when, when things are tough and you know, you have to maybe put some a barrier in front and someone ask, answering questions for you because you know, you're not probably the best place to do it so I do I do agree with that I do agree a strong family network and a strong team network is, is essential and in, 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 in the, the the most highest elite athletes in the world, not just in boxing, um, that's kind of that's a, that's a core core value. And I think I said it to Steve last night, Steve Morton as well, or Steve, and I was saying that there, I'd love to see, and I can't, but I'm fairly certain without being sure that there isn't, there couldn't be another organisation or a stable in the world where they've got a manager and a representative in you who's grown up with every one of them, who's known them from, in some cases, from childhood. Uh, most other cases, you've either boxed the ears off them, had your ears boxed off by them, mm-hmm. or but, but by and large, you've come along every step of the career, of careers with them. You've seen the different angles, you've seen the different layers. Is is that um, is that all, is that all positive? Is it all, or does that come with its, with its difficulties as well? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it does. I think it had, there is a, there is two sides of the coin or, I can relate to a lot of things that, that, that especially the likes of Tyrone McKenna, Tyrone McCulloch, that, that they're going through. You know, Sean McComb, we get on. It's, it's very hard. Belfast is a very small place, and you know, we we see each other regularly and stuff like this. But with with the Tyrone, especially Tyrone McKenna, you know, we train together, we live together, stuff like this. It's 
I, I have to sp- I speak to him in certain ways, but in the end of the day, I, I, I'm, I'm I'm there. I've been been there. What he's done, so uh, I've been through what he's going through, and and I can relate to a lot of things he's feeling. So so I can then navigate a certain way, you know, sensing his where he's at and in, in, in training, where he's at with with his uh his weight cut stuff. Like, I guess Harry's going to respond to certain things. I've got to tell him stuff. I, I can I can. I can b- bounce off previous experiences of, of being there, but there is a flip side of the coin in that certain certain times we are too close and it, the, the lanes can become him because I do have to, to address certain things that maybe he's not doing right or maybe he has to has the answer to and stuff like this. So it, it is, it is, there is, a, it's a double-edged sword. It's a two-sided coin. It's it's something that it does have its positives, but there is some drawbacks and there is some, some times where, you don't really want to fall out in terms of personally because we have known each other since we're 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 uh, kids. But ultimately, I'm just trying to do what's best for one's career because I was there. I, I, I had seen yeah. I had seen what they've seen and and we've been together. I've seen much they've 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 sacrificed. I've seen Hartrone has been away from his kids. You know, I've seen Hartrone McCulloch moves from 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 Derry to to Dublin and 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 Belfast to to stay away from everyone to stay for a fight. So. It's uh, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. Whereas someone who comes in from outside of outside of the sport, outside of actually competing in the sport, doesn't see the sacrifices, the small sacrifices that that he's put in. That you know, every day that is put in, people don't realize when you are a boxer, it's a twenty four seven job. And I think I spoke with Carl Frampton regarding this there the other week that it is twenty four seven. You go on holiday, you're not on holiday really. You're, you're thinking. I can't really eat this much because I got to go back and lose weight. It's always about weight, or it's always about you know restrictions, and you have to be a professional athlete 365 days a year. To look at the golden contract concept, it's it's a brilliant mixture. It takes all the good bits of the amateur, which is the draw, not knowing who you're going to fight, probably closer to the day wanes and everything else. You've got then the pro side of it. You've got the fine dates, the fixed plan. You've kind of closed it all up a little bit. It's a little bit tighter than the super series with the super middleweights and the likes did it take long for the concept to come together and then I suppose to take that concept from 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 an idea and put it into practice and, and get it from start to finish was it a, was it a long drawn out process uh, it, it was indeed um, I forget who exactly came up with the idea in, in a meeting what we had it was you it was you we'll give you the no. time for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I initially was like mm, does this work uh, thinking just how a boxer would think in terms of you're training for eight, ten weeks and you don't know who you're fighting till till the Monday. This is that's that's crazy. That's a big risk. Is fighters going to be able to take that risk? Who's going to be able to take that risk? What fighters is going to want to kind of um, you know put everything on the line, everything they're building to kind of take that risk? Do you prepare them for seven other fighters? How do you prepare for seven other fighters? Thinking like this. You know, then we were saying about you know you don't do the draw till. To, to that and then the, the weigh-in and trying to do everything and then I seen the aspect of the, the excitement of it from, from a fighter's point of view how can you that that kind of raw emotion within fight week everyone's in the same location we don't know what's going on then you know you're fighting how things change and I think that came across very well in, in the in the early draws the draws in the early stages and in the atmosphere on the, the the day before, when no one knew who they were fighting, everyone was good, everyone was happy, everyone was it was uh, getting along, talking. Their their training times were separate, obviously, but they were all they were all okay. Everyone was had seen each other in a hotel. But then when you were in the doing the the sky, were doing the kind of promos and they were getting their their pictures taken, and then it, it just there was a buzz, there was a hum of like. <laughs> Anxious, anticipating of what's next. Everyone realised that okay, I'm going to fight someone here at the, the end of the week. Anyone in this room, I don't know who it's going to be, but it could be someone. So the the mood the mood changed. Everyone's mood changed. It got a bit more serious. It got a bit more raw. It got a bit more. You know, there was there was a, a, a anticipation in the room. There was there was something that took on over. There was just the how they all acted went went different, and then that's kind of. When I realised, okay, I think this is going to really work. I think this is going to come across brilliant. And lucky enough, the fates, the fighters have have provided. But initially, it it took it took its time because you know Sky Sports loved the idea at the start. Adam Smith was was straight on about yeah they want to do it. So 
then we had to navigate with with our country with ESPN taking the the US rates UK rates going to sky how are we kind of work it okay it's going to be in, in collaboration with Matthew and Eddie Hearn and then he kind of gave us a green light to go you know listen you can crack on yourselves but we can we can throw faders in then we went through the list of faders so it it did but once kind of it, the ball went rolling it went rolling very quickly and we, and as usually we're, we're very aggressive and and how we kind of we we start to the plot and plan and it, it uh the dates then became problems and then what happens if there's a cut and what happens if, a, if it's a draw we kind of had to figure out what happens then but we did take a lot of comp sets also from from the world boxing super series and and, and we got a, we got some input from Carl Sarlin in terms of the do's and don'ts and and what, what to avoid you know it, it worked out because we were doing everything in the one location and 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 stuff like that. Then we were going to make it on Friday nights and that Saturday night, so we didn't compete with anyone else in in the in the UK because technically we we're a management company first and foremost. Doing doing shows is only because we have so many fighters and we're just trying to get every fighter active. Or we have fighters with with every promoter, but certain fighters we have with no promoters, and that's kind of where we have to fill the void. And that's just kind of. You know, we now have two separate entities within the company, you know, a management side and a, and a promotional side with, with Paul Gibson and, and Lee Eaton dealing a lot with the, the promotion and the production of shows. And, and, and then, you know, myself and, and a few others are dealing with the management of the faders. So I, I still get to speak on behalf of the faders, but I'm, I'm in now with this new role as vice president. I'm, I'm in the room dealing, dealing with uh, a lot of the, the executive stuff, but but with still the fader's mindset and the fader the fader first um, approach. So, uh, is it safe for Paul uh, Gibson and Lee Eaton when when you're representing one of the lads? Uh, <laughs> does it get a does it does it get a bit hairy at times? Does the, does the no, fighter there, come there out? Is, no, is, <laughs> but, but at least I know when you know. I, now you know I, I know kind of the the financials, and I know when. You know when they tell me something, they're they're being legitimately honest, yeah. and you know, they're they're not trying to do the fader we we do still even though there is two different sides they still have the fader fader first approach as well they're not you know, we are very you don't really hear any faders really ever really speaking bad about mta because it's it's solely it's solely for the faders we're just trying to do better for the faders and give them the opportunities that that everyone feels that they deserve and but yeah we do we do have a lot of um back and forth they they do see logic on a lot of things but we do clash especially myself and lee <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliantly that's listen that is perfect because a lot of people again it's a side of it that they don't see the last thing I'll say to you about the format and then I, I just want to do one more thing and you've touched it there is choosing the fighters this it couldn't for me as a neutral outside outside looking in with the way it's planned out with the people and the stories and the, and the way they've all come their journey to where they are now it almost seems perfect but I Knowing the business and knowing the way things go and negotiating and planning, you probably could never have wished for it to be the way it did in the long run. Or you could say, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. But the, the side of it is, is there a pro- and, and was there a very definite selection process or was it a case of just going through with a fine-tooth comb, looking who's available, looking who's there and then approaching? No, f- firstly, we gave our, our fighters the opportunities of... of so we, we seem we had uh, high numbers in 140, high numbers in 126. Uh, the last weight, the, the the late heavies was kind of a toss up between the late heavies, and I think we maybe were looking at middle weight, but we we decided on the on the numbers of the late heavies that that it would work. There there was a lot of there was a lot of ins and outs at the start before we announced anything. I don't think we we even we even got close to the announcing, or we 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 delayed the announcement because we hadn't secured the at the at the start it was ten faders because we had. Eight faders and two two uh reserves. two replacements, yeah, reserves. And I think the last week maybe was was getting stalled a bit because we were speaking with Eric Donovan to go into, it. and uh, I thought that was was it would have been a fantastic story. Now, like Eric has Eric has came across fantastic in fight camp, but I believe that he would have came came across fantastic in the Golden Contract. We spoke at at length with with Eric and Leonard and and uh, Kenny Egan about about going in. And they may be going in as a replacement, but then I think something else came up and he got another offer at uh, at that moment in time. But yeah, I thought I thought it would have been fantastic with Eric Davy and Drew McCulloch all mm. 
having previous relations in, 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 in the amateur system. That's one word or, for it, yeah. Eric <laughs> uh, and Davey being in the same club and Moan Garns and Michael Satoy. So I was just chatting like to Roy. Been, I was only chatting yeah. to Roy Sheen about that 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Brilliant. But, um, yeah, well, I, that that's kind of... was my. I was solely looking at it at the start, especially that way from, a, from an Irish boxing point of view, that how it could have been very good. But we had various different... So, so the the thought of bringing in Americans and, and stuff like that was something that, that Paul Gibson had brought in and said, listen, I think I have one or two good Americans that will come come forward and Hermine Sakaris and and stuff like that was 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 good good additions and we had that kind of element of the American, the mystery American coming in and stuff like that was good. But yeah, it there was a process that went on. That was the kind of that was the longest stage of the process is deciding who's actually going to be in. You touched on it there perfectly about MTK. And being aggressive and the way they match their fighters, it has to be tough at times, and 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 it's never, it's never going to be easy, and it's probably never going to get any easier. Uh, Carl went on the record, Carl Frampton, a little while ago, saying MTK has brought a set a support mechanism, a platform that our fighters have never had. I I chatted to the Rock Stephen Orman there last week, and he told me that it was at one point it was very obvious that even when shows were in Ireland, our fighters were being used as a way of fighters. That's not the case anymore, and it's not a coincidence, is it, that our fighters are flourishing now? Yeah, I, I, I think that's one hundred percent. I think you're bang on. I think Carl and Stephen both have experienced. Stephen especially has experienced it more than Carl because myself and Stephen were went through the same process, and we were on the same cards, cards under cards. Um, you know, you were you were starved. It was it was feast or famine. So there was no small hall scene in Ireland. There was no. Um, there was no, there was no routine. There was no hub here in Ireland. You were kind of in Belfast because Belfast would have been the quick stop. So you would have had an elite fighter or a standout fighter, the likes of Carl or Martin Rogan became one, and, and, and Paul McCluskey. So they would have got one fight a year, maybe two fights a year at home. The rest they would have been on uh, on the on the on the cards and matchroom cards across the uh, our Frank Warren cards in, in the in UK. So when they came over, we were we were basically used to sell tickets. And if you were used to sell tickets, you were then the B side of the fader. So a matchroom fader would have come over and and we would have been cannon fodder for the matchroom fader. Certain faders would have been cannon fodder for the matchroom fader, building on on their pro- progress in their career and learning. So that's kind of how boxing was here. We, we didn't have a hub. We didn't have a, a system in place where you had a, a grassroots pro scene which could elevate to a different level, and you had big time boxing in 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 Ireland on a continuous basis. That was something that that we identified um, at MDK and wanted to create Belfast. Selfishly for myself, I wanted to make sure Belfast was a hub for for Irish boxing, and it has done. We we secured four fights a year, four shows a year on a, on the Ulster Hall. And then we would have had the big fight either Framden coming home or Mick coming home, so it would have been five or six, five, five or six shows a year. This year is 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 unfortunate, but that's kind of what we wanted to do. But we wanted to make sure there was a hub, there was a level, there was a progress, there was a process of, you know, uh, a, a qualifying to the next stage where you where you went on to something else, where you you went from small hall to big, to medium hall to big hall, and and then you you went abroad or whatever. So that's what we're doing we're doing in Ireland we're doing Belfast we're doing in, we're doing in various different stages we're looking at starting Leeds coming up we're doing in Liverpool in, in Glasgow and Scotland uh, and in London in various different aspects so that's kind of one thing that we're doing and, and we're continuing to do is not, not just be uh, you know, a blow-in kind of thing not just be a one do a show look amazing and then move on we, we're looking to build hubs and bases and continue to grow a grassroots system in each place that we're in and I'm just, I'm delighted to see Irish boxing flourishing. I'm delighted to see various different promoters and managers and and getting bigger in, in, in Ireland because it's only better for for everyone. You know, I I, I like seeing Lexa Leonard Gunning and 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 the Celtic clashes doing well. I like seeing Tony or Martha Knapp doing well. You know, it, that's what you want. That's what everyone should be doing. We should be fighting the same fight because we are we are ultimately the big promoters. The likes of your Frank and your Eddies. They, they don't give a shit about Irish boxing. They don't invest in Irish boxing. They don't develop Irish boxing. They will develop a single fader if it's an Irish fader. And you're being brought, usually, if you're brought neither. It's, it's too expensive to come across the Ireland. That, you know, to come across even the Belfast, they have to bring everything across. So that's why they don't come across often. But uh, 
you're being brought in to lose. Uh, ultimately, you're not being built yeah. for anything else. Yeah, and and ultimately we've seen that over the years and with results, and we could go back for over for years and years and years. But um, I think to stick positive. Just one little area I wanted to get with you. And there's no agenda. There's no narrative. There's no nothing for me. It's about boxing. It's about the boxers first and foremost, and every time because as far as I'm concerned, without boxers, there's no pundits. There's no media. There's no nothing. Without that's where for me it's very simple for me. The topic mm. MTK divides people left, right, and center, and and it's. There's people have opinions who who know nothing about boxing or know nothing about anything for a long time, but when they hear it, it splits and they start getting their high horse and they represent all that's good. And yet, at the back of it all, they can be doing the total opposite of what they're saying themselves. For me, the media have adopted an attitude, but towards not just towards MTK, but towards boxing in Ireland. It's it frustrated the shit out of me. Excuse my French when I looked at you guys as amateurs looking boxing all around the world. When I'm looking at your dad taking teams of people who have who have have given practically all all of themselves just to get on the plane, um, and still you might get a byline at the end of it all, but it it'll be done almost under their breath. Then all of a sudden the storm comes along. There is a side of it, of course, that you'd be naive not to. But for me, it's about fighters getting looked after, boxers getting paid, promoted, and represented properly. Does the doom and gloom and the negativity and the the hate at times does it does it bother you? Does it get to you? Does it make it hard for you to do your job the way you want to do it? Well, it it, it doesn't get to me because I, I know the people around me. I know people around me understand that what we're trying to do is 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 for the greater good of boxing it's it's right by boxing and everything everyone who's involved is boxing people um we all come from working class areas and we're trying to develop boxing in working class areas and give give faders and boxers and young boxers uh and an end goal in terms of uh, this sport you know where you can go and how much you, you know the, the the likes of michael came from west belfast his, the, the world is his oyster at the minute that's showing that other kids in West Belfast you can be this guy, you can do what he's doing so that that's kind of where where I, I know and people around me know and my friends and my family and, and, and people who are, who are just in the area, they know that what we're doing is right, what we're doing is right for boxing everything else that comes with it and is, is added on to it you know, I can't control what they say or what yeah. they do and what they think. All I can do is control what what, what I'm doing in continuous spaces and, and that is trying to develop um, Irish boxing, boxers in Ireland and give them a platform to show, showcase their talents, to benefit to, to benefit their career, to uh, create financial security for them and their families going forward and give them a method and, and means to, to, to get out of where they are at the minute. Yeah, I, I think, I, to, to be honest with you, I think... That... There's so many facets, to it and you can. But but for me, you not you can't fight everybody's fight. Everybody has a job to do. Everybody has something to do, and you can't. If you want to look at the bad of everything, you'll find the bad of everything. And for me, it's looking out for this sport that's just so long been on the on the, the poor relation. And and I just can't help wonder, will we ever see a day where in this country and and it's fast becoming a case of where it doesn't really matter. But I'd love to see where a fella can. Instead of a number twenty-three or four on a county panel walking in as a sub for the whole year and being treated like a hero, uh, you've got a fellow who's won an, an Irish title who's busted his ass the whole year and he's sitting beside him and, and, and half the place doesn't recognise him. Are we ever likely to see where we, where boxing gets its, its its props in the country? Well, we're lucky here in Belfast that that, that boxers are treated like that. You know, boxers are treated with with high regard, with, with integrity. They they are treat they are treated with. Uh, People around them admire them because they see the sacrifice that goes into it. Yeah. In West Belfast, you know, I think on my road on on the Falls Road, which we've grew up on, there was at least nine boxing clubs within a within a three or four mile radius, and boxing became it became a a, a statement in the area. It became one of the main main things that we all done as kids. You know, you you, you went football, you played a bit of GAA, but you mean you went boxing. Yeah. That was the three things Don't you don't play as a boxing. Kid. <laughs> No, you, you you don't play boxing, but you went boxing. So that's kind of what what was what you done as a kid. Every kid in the area done. It was like you you got you came through that 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 generation of you know, now kids are obviously sitting in more and they're playing on the computers more and on their phones more. But but, but we grew up. It was you you were out and you did uh, boxing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You know football Tuesday, GA Thursday, and then a match maybe Saturday. So. They kind of that's that's the way it was, and how we were ingrained in our society was, you know, to, to boxing 
was was seen in you know the papers in the back back page of the paper. You would have been in the paper if you weren't won the Irish title. You know, people would have you would have came and presented trophies at local kids' awards. Um, you you would have done a lot of things like that. Boxers were seen in very high regard and still do to this day. And I think that's a testament to to the people of Belfast and till till the the media in Belfast, but the mainly the people in the working class communities in Belfast seeing the sacrifice that these that these young lads have put in. Yeah, it's it's a very special. Anyone that hasn't been to a fight night, a Frampton night, or a Conlon night in Belfast in Windsor Park or Titanic's uh, quarter, it, listen. You just all I'm going to say is you have to be there. It's it, it can't be described. There's a little bit of an edge to it. There's a little bit of, but there's a whole lot of something special in it. And and usually my next morning is spent sitting in the city, not the better of the night before, and just looking around, taking it all in, and remembering, I suppose as well. The, where the city has come from and the massive strides yeah. it's made over the years and what boxing is doing for that on the world scene doesn't shouldn't be overlooked or forgotten either yeah well no exactly and and you touched on kind of where the city has come from and even when when the city was was a war zone yeah. city boxing was still was still paramount in a lot of people's lives and kind of you know McGuigan, Wayne McCulloch and even McGee coming through you know, stuff like that all all played, played a part and Everyone had a home in in the boxing club, and that's kind of has always been the way. You know, football obviously has been different, um, and the GAA for, for for our community has always been the way. Also, so boxing has been been a testament to the working class communities around the country, and we do deserve it. I, I think I do think there is a, a class divide in, in certain aspects of how how we're regarded in the media. Um, for 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 for. The lack of paper, that sorry, the lack of column inches, also is 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 divided up in in a class society. You know, rugby's always highly regarded in the southern media, and, and boxing has never been really in, captured the attention to the papers. So, it's it's something that up here we have we have taken with us, and and every boxer you know is 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 welcomed and lauded in their community. Well, I've often said it, and, I, and I'll close out that bit, and I'll leave it on for my final word about the, the master chef himself there. But uh, the last word, I, I just, I've been to shows in Belfast. I've been to practically all of Frampton's bar one. I've been to all of Andy Lee's as he was coming through the scene and building his scene here. And we went to Limerick. There was some cracking nights with Brian Peters down there. You were on a couple of those cards, I think. Yeah. And and two cities who who've received their fair share of of adversity over the years. In all the nights, I never saw so much as an argument in a pub. And that's what I can say from my experience. Now, maybe I was lucky. Maybe I was, <laughs> maybe I was oblivious. But I was there for boxing, and any of the people that I was around and saw and happened to be lucky enough to be near were there for the same thing. And they're very, very special nights. Yeah. Well, well, boxing people are very special people, and when you, as you said it, when when they get together, you know, when when you're what I love most and what I'm missing at the minute in terms of our techniques is. Is as you, as the anticipation mm-hmm. of of a, of a fight night in the city on the morning of a fight, the build up throughout the day. You know, when you're going through town, you hear chitter chatter the whole day. The taxi drivers, the taxi drivers <laughs> talking about it. Are you going to the fights? And that's kind of that's special. I I think that's what separates Belfast from a lot of places, not just in Ireland but but across the world. That this is a boxing city, um, and despite everything else that gets tagged to boxing. It You're giving me fucking goosebumps here. I'm getting. I'm remembering that fight with Avalos all those years ago with Frampton, and he came with all this big talk. And it was the very last time I doubted Frampton. It was the time I actually stopped for a second and I thought, "Am I missing something here? This guy is talking such a big game." Shit! So I went back and I thought, and that was pretty firmly line drawn under very early. I think when he got to the top of the ramp that night in the Odyssey, you could see the look on his face, and I think that was the end of it. And I never ever doubted him since. He's a special character, and I think what we're seeing now. Would you have said fair to say we're seeing the next wave because it's 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 terrible to say and and I hate even thinking about it. We're, we're probably in the twilight of his career. Realistically, you're going to see another two or three more fights, and then you're going to see these fellas who will be exactly primed, ready to come through. And I won't say fill his boots, but um, move on from where he's going to leave it off in a very healthy place. But he he's he's uh he's put boxing on the map on a lot of regards. You know, I- before Carl Frampton, we had Paul McCluskey maybe as a Hellener and Andy Lee as a Hellener and, and Martin Rogan, but there was there was no one reaching Carl Frampton's uh, limits. You know, he, he's give kids. You know, when 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 I turned pro, winning winning a like a small title, like a half title would have been 
would have been acceptable. You know, that how you end in your career as a Commonwealth champion would have been acceptable and you would have been very content with, with certain aspects of it. But every kid now turns pro because they want to be world champion. And I think he is one of the he is one of the he has set the standards. He is a flag bearer and, and for generations to come because everyone wants wants to achieve what he's achieved. And he's not done yet. He's not done yet. Don't, don't I'm not I'm not I'm not writing him off just yet, but I'm just saying that it's 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 hard to believe. And like we said, when Mick seems to be around forever, you kinda of hope that these lads will be, but it doesn't be long about going. The last thing I want to say to you, Jamie, and I appreciate it very much taking time and it took a little bit more than I'd planned, but um the last word was it your your dad you said was was born in the bacon in the background? He was, I he was. <laughs> I I wanna give a special mention because there's a lot of lads I've spoken to on here lately, um over the since I started, I suppose the likes of Sean McComb, the likes of um, the younger lads, I suppose uh, Michael, uh, Michael himself, obviously James McGivern, um, chatting to D there recently, and Lewis and all who have come through. But they've come through at various stages, and they've all worked under your dad. Um, I, I know a little bit more than I, I know a little bit. I don't know at all, but I know that he goes extraordinary lengths. He does extraordinary things for people that tr- that go beyond. I think it was James McGivern said to me that. He doesn't know what what the uh, the job outline was in this when he went for the interview, but he said he can be a hundred percent sure that he the stuff that he does and has to do for him outside. He went as far as calling him Johnny Bravo. He said he's the coolest dude on the on the block. But it, does that bring it all the more sense? It, it makes it all the more easier for you and for him and for Michael because again, as you said, I suppose the best way you can put it is you're boxing people, and and there's pretty much or are there still occasions. When when you'll come across something on a daily basis, where hang on, I may give Dash out. No, he he's he said he's our role model. He he set the, the standards for me and Michael to, to, to achieve. Um, as family men, and first and foremost, he, he he's a dad, but he's everything. Like if we if I achieved even half of what he's achieved, and the many people that he's that he's helped along the way, you know, I'd be very proud of, of my life because he. You know, he's everything to, to to us growing up in terms of how we learn, how we matured, but how, and then how we raise our kids. And you know that that's kind of what he that he set for us. He set a very high standard that that, that myself and Michael must achieve and 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 continue on. But in terms of boxing, the amount of people that he's you know went out of his way just to help and look after. He people don't know that that he no. gets calls no. on a monthly basis. <laughs> probably maybe maybe a wee bit less now. At, because he's turned a lot down, but he calls from people that, that train them pro. Um, now, superstars also, not just from Ireland, have, have called him and are looking to do, looking at him to be their coach going pro. But he, he loves what he does with the amateurs. Loves what he does, and and kind of that's kind of what 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 makes me a bit happy is that I love him what I do. So um, mm. and he loves what he's doing, and, and that's kind of what, it's brilliant. Even though we're on different different. Uh, you know, we, we pro different games all together, pro and amateur. But I still we talk constantly on, on about fights and fighters and styles and techniques and how that would happen and how that would happen. I would always go to him advice on certain styles and certain fights. You know, if I'm if I'm looking to make a fight for someone, he'll be able to give me a bit of advice on it because he knows so much. It's just the constantly picking his brain on it. But Harry, much he goes out of his way for fighters is is something that is. You know, it's testament in the comments that that they that they've all given because because mm-hmm. he doesn't look for no, no, no pots in the back. He doesn't look, look for any money. He doesn't look for anything else. All he kind of does is what's doing for best for Emmons. And he, he was offered the, the the I think the head coach job in from from the Irish Amateur Boxing Association, but he preferred to be up here and helping the young generation coming through and putting something in place in the Ulster High Performance, as well as working alongside Zora down in Dublin. But he. He really loves what he's doing for the younger generation. He loves working with the younger kids coming through, not even not just the senior ones, but being with the the kids coming through at the development stage and how they're progressing and you know developing as as young men and young boxers. And kind of that's he's a role model for all basically. Yeah, and I spoke to Aaron across there, another Belfast fella, Aaron Bickercroft across in up Dubai, and he said the same when they were preparing. When even just they ran a little tournament last year, and they, there was a, an Irish team went out, and your dad and, and Zoran that was with them. And he said, just to see the difference, he said, they, they're they bringing things on as best they can. But he said, to see the levels, he says, the preparation, the intensity, the care, everything that goes into what John and Zor and the team are doing in the background. Before these guys even, even if it's only for a, a 
we won't call it a friendly, but for a, a competition uh, to, 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 with nothing really at stake, he said it was incredible. You know, it just really brought home to him the differences. He, said, man, he, sets, he sets very high standards and, and, and like he's a very tough taskmaster in that regard. And you know, he he, de- he demands a lot also. You know, he, he gives a lot to the fighters, but he also demands a lot for them, from back from them because he believes in in, in the fighters and believes in Irish fighters and he yeah. believes that. That, that they can compete and, and beat anyone in the world. And he has changed our mindsets regarding that because, you know, we, we always were the, you know, the just tough guys of Europe. And, but now we are on a world level competing with, with Russians, with Cubans, with Americans and, and giving them the best, uh, give them if best, if not better on most occasions. And, and if nothing else, at least there's room to improve with the cooking anyways. No, no, I'm going there. The very last thing I'll say to you on it, from that point of view, and on an international scale and the Olympic cycle and everything else, it affects very much what he's doing and what he's trying to do. I, I know they'll plan away. I know they'll work away as they have been. But how difficult will it be? And, and will there come a point in, in the road, Jimmy, where a decision will have to be made, like as regards some of the older guys that are in the cycle that little bit longer? There's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of nobody knows where this is going to end and when or how does that affect the Olympic process or will they just carry on in their preparation as they have been well I think every fighter on, on in that programme you know they want to become Olympic champion so they're going to probably they're going to try as hard hard as they can to become Olympic champion and that diverse from that from that plan I think everyone has the same set goal mindset you know they have a a, a a structure in place down there that they're they're preparing for X, Y, and Z, and they're just going to try and like like as all adapt on the fly. So it's um every fighter who who puts on a set of boxing gloves for me should be should be aiming to become Olympic champion before anything else. Any any you know any diversion from that plan, I, I think is is giving up on something that is special. So. I, I, if if they're at the state, you no, know, certain everyone's at different stages of their career, and you know how they're looking to progress in terms of going pro and, and different ages. So they they probably will have to ask themselves different questions. But uh, at the moment in time, they're being told uh, August twenty twenty one, or I think it's sometime in twenty twenty one that that it's going to go ahead. That's kind of up to in each individual they assess where they are and if they're able to give up another year. But for me. Personally, I, I would I would still risk it for for twelve months to try and become yeah. an Olympic champion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That should be that should be the goal. Listen, it's been an absolute privilege. I took a little bit longer than I had hoped. I can I round it out with a little bit of crack because we've got in we've got through a fair bit there. I want to just do a little bit of light hearted crack for for want of a better word, and we'll just go through a few bits with your trivia, simple questions. Hi, right, go on, go on. Go on. Uh, have your favourite food or drink? Pizza. Will you have a beer? Will you have a, a can of minerals or? Either a water or a coke. Coke. I don't, I don't really drink much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and have you football? Do you, who do you support? What team? Glasgow uh, Celtic. Good man. Good man. And what about music? Have you got much of a taste? I asked Odie this last night about music, and Jesus, I was here for a week. <laughs> <laughs> Some, he shocked me. I have to say. Who? Who did you ask? Odie. Odie yeah, O'Hara. Yeah, anything eighties. Eighties for me. Oh, oh top man! Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, you're you're ticking boxes it's, here. It's, and, and and soul soul music in 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 eighties. You know, Aretha Franklin, Shaka Khan, and um, Sister Sledge. All that there. I, I I like I like all that. You and McKenna get on well, and Big Tommy. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, little level forty two and the likes as well. You've got you're talking some <laughs> cracking stuff there as well. Um, movies and Netflix. What, what what's your go to stuff? Go-to stuff. Um, I'm nearly out of it at this stage. I'm nearly done. Netflix. I, 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 I've been I just. What have I been watching recently? I don't know what I'm watching. I haven't really been watching much um, because of the two kids that take over the TV. But yeah, horrid Henry uh, or something. No, I, I have a pig in Paw Patrol for you, but maybe, maybe movies. I, I couldn't get it off the top of my head. I don't know. Movies usually all eighties as well. You know. The, the, the the burbs coming to America, all that. I, I would just go back to all that stuff. Trading places, <laughs> trading places. Anything Eddie Murphy in the eighties is perfect. You know, boomerang, all that stuff. Yeah, and outside of boxing, I suppose, a um, sports person or a person in general who inspired you as the young Jamie Conlon growing up in 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 on the Falls Road. I, the 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 only inspiration you know, inside outside of boxing for me was always my father. 
And do you know what? I just before you finished, before you said it, I had it written in a circle drawn around. I knew that was coming. Yeah, I did. I knew it was coming. I, and 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 that's that's makes it probably the team, the family team in in the whole little series. It probably just rounds it out perfectly. As far as boxing goes, have you, have you favorite boxers? Favorite boxer uh, maybe Alexis Alexis Aguayo, Roberto Duran, and Eric Morales. Oh, I mean, you've, a, you've a mix and a half there. You've a little <laughs> bit of everything in that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what what does Jamie Conlon do to switch off when when the kids are away for a day or two? When when there's no, I suppose these are hypothetical situations. The phone is off, chilling out for a little bit. What do you do to kick back? I I, I do just t- kick back. I don't even touch anything. Sit and vegetate in front of the TV. For, the day I get, I, I got one this morning. The missus went out with the kids, and I was able just to turn the phone off for a few hours. And I watched Formula One today uh, for some weird reason. My my, my friend who's who's working Michael's um, strength and conditioning, he's also the strength and conditioning coach for for Alex Albon of, of Red Bull. So I have a, a vested interest there to see how he gets on the old team and, and text him. But um, no, I, I just kind of, as I said, sit down in front of the TV, relax with with the missus, and just kind of. Just try not to talk about boxing. Yeah. And I bet you it hasn't happened yet, or it's not no, likely it to happen no, too often. No, 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 <laughs> the last one, and you're done then, and, and, I'm, and I appreciate it again, as I said, a hypothetical scenario, backs to the wall, and something goes down, there's a street fight, and you have to call three lads. Who are the three calls that you make? Uh, this could be dangerous now. <laughs> in boxing, boxers? No, boxers? anybody. Okay, okay. Um... <laughs> Well, there, there is one. He's, he's not a boss. He's a friend. I just say a friend. Okay. Uh, Rand Tuggle. He's he grew up. We were a friend. He was. If you're back to the wall, I would always, I would always pick him. Probably throw McKenna, you know, in terms of boxing sense. Uh, and then I'll throw in James McLean. Oh, there's a lad <laughs> I want to talk to. There's a fellow I really want to talk to. Yes. <laughs> You know what my only hope, my biggest hope coming from all of this is that each of the fighters that have given me their time, that have allowed me to pry a little bit into their preparations and their lives and their their story to date, that I am able to do it some justice, tell it in a clear, concise way and in a way that allows people to see maybe a little bit that they might not see on camera and in the build-up on the night. So those three fellas there, incredible fellas. Can you just picture the crack that's had out there with the, with the small gloves? Can you picture the the hairy moments in sparring where Mike takes one of them into the little room at the back and only knows what goes on in there? And uh, at the back of it all then, the highs, the lows of a boxing journey shared by three brothers who were probably as close, definitely the closest siblings I've come across in my time doing this right now. So to the three lads, thank you. Uh, Ryan, I wish you nothing but the absolute best on Wednesday night. I said at the top, I don't like doing predictions. I don't like doing any of the usual formats. And I'm going to stay with that. But I know in the final, we've got two of the most genuine, humble, honest and deserving fellas. So whichever of them comes out on top, will be, it'll be fitting. I think it's safe to say. And to the other two lads who will be outside the ring, Mike and Liam, probably sharing the blows, taking, throwing, moving, jabbing, slipping and rolling all the way through. Watch out for them. Listen for them. They're, they're great fellas, they're honest fellas, and if you like real, you're going to love these guys. And Graham, the mastermind behind it all, trying to keep everything in in sync and in unison, and at the same time, look for his fella. So, big love to the Lottie, and big shout out, and, and best of luck to everybody on Wednesday night. That's almost it for me. There's been a little bit of a change of plan, a little bit of a change of format. I have just completed right now an hour-long interview with the main man himself, with the Vice President of MTK, Jamie Conlon. Now, my plan was to break that interview up and to put it together and use it across different... Inter- I'm not going to do that. So, series episode three is going to be with Jamie and myself, and that'll be it. There'll be no frills, there'll be no attachments, there'll be no nothing. There might be a little bit of bacon burning in the background. What do I mean by that? let to tune in. That's it for me and them until then. Thank you for taking time to listen. Thank you for your comments, for sharing and for uh, spreading the word as much as possible. If you like it, keep doing it. If you don't like it, get in touch. Let me know what you don't like and I will do what I can. Until the next one, stay safe, stay sane, smile. All's well that ends well.